Welcome, believers, and it's good to be able to worship together as you can anticipate Easter coming up. You heard that with what David was sharing in the band. This is coming up that we will soon remember once again the resurrection of Christ. I ask you, please, right now, turn with me to your copy of the Bible, to the book of James, James chapter 2, beginning verse 14 through 26. James chapter 2, 14 through 26. Ray did not tell you everything about what happened during our mission trip, by the way. Ray was one of those missionaries that went from not just individual to individual, but car to car to car in sub-freezing weather and prayed with those people and prayed with those people and shared the gospel. This was about doing many works in order to care for food needs. But there were souls that were fed. And I really praise the Lord for your example to me and to the other ladies who went as well. We praise the Lord for this opportunity to serve Jesus in this time. So if you're looking at the book of James chapter 2, beginning in verses 14 through 26, uh, this is now the fourth in the series of the book of James. And we're going to continue past Good, our correction, Good Friday, Palm Sunday, Easter, and we will continue and finish that in the following month, the book of James. Now, this part of the book of James is the fulcrum, is the center of gravity, is the balance point, the hub, the center of the book of James, because it deals with the very topic of biblical faith. Biblical faith. What is biblical faith? Well, I'll give you a little background. James knew Jesus personally. He was the half-brother of Jesus. He with Jude. The reason we say half-brother is because Jesus was not born of a human father. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But the half-brothers that came later through Mary and Joseph, James was one of them. He was a half-brother with Jesus. He knew Jesus personally, as we find in Mark chapter 3 and also in John chapter 7. And the reason I say this is the center of gravity in the book of James is because everyone experiences problems, even those of faith in Christ. And the book of James is a list of the problems that human people experience, the tongue, temptations, trials. And James went through those experiences. But sometimes people, including the people that this book is written to, feel like religion is an advantage. Religion should have a pass, should have a get-by. For example, the religion of going to church seems to be a benefit that many people perceive, and James is talking about that in this book, he insists that religion without faith is no advantage at all. Instead, religion without biblical faith is, and he uses the word that's a little offensive, he says it is rotting death. It is dead. Religion without faith is dead. But I want to share with you, friends, faith obedience, faith following Jesus Christ, faith obedience 
which is to biblical truth, is the antithesis of death. Actually, it is life. Faith obedience answers the question that is posed in chapter 2, verse 14. And I read, Someone may claim that they have faith, but has no deeds. Can that faith save them? And we're going to look into that question and to the answer behind that. So faith obedience to biblical truth must, must begin in the heart. But if your works, my works, anyone's works don't work, then the so-called, and I emphasize this, so-called faith is a failure. It's useless. And as James says, it's literally death. It is literally a corpse. So we're gonna, we have to face facts. And I appreciate what Dave was sharing about believers throughout the world who are right now worshiping and have been worshiping Jesus Christ. We as believers in this world have to face facts that faith is failing and is in short supply. Now, this is not just my pessimistic view. Jesus himself said in Luke 18, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? So James deals with three facts. These three facts, as I see it, are first of all, religion alone. Religion alone is failing without faith obedience. Second, faith obedience is completing our faith. And third, faith obedience is justifying faith. Now, religion alone, first off, religion alone is a failure unless we have faith obedience, faith following Jesus Christ. So religion alone fails to lift a finger. And beginning in verses 14 through 17, I'm reading, So what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and if one of you says, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Also faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Religion alone fails because it fails to lift a finger. Now let me define a few things here. Religion is defined as the rites, the rituals, the practices in response to divinity, in response to God. Maybe it's a reality in some people's lives. Or maybe it's just a thin veneer of words and customs that are common to a society or a group. That's what religion is generally understood to be. But faith obedience, if I may define it, is actually something I don't want to define. Because the scripture itself says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, Without faith... It is impossible to please him. For whoever would 
draw near to God, must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. Now James, when he was growing up with Jesus, and throughout all of his earthly life, that is Jesus' earthly life, James exhibited a thin veneer of religious customs. He didn't humble himself to Jesus. He did not refer to him and ever bow to him as God. He didn't lift a finger. James did not have faith obedience until after the resurrection of Christ. And we know this because the scripture says in John chapter 7, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. So later, James wrote this book as a confession. He was telling us and the world, these are the areas that James failed in, that this person himself, me as well, fail in. And this is what the world fails in when we think that religion is all that we need. We think it's good enough. But instead, faith obedience... Faith following Jesus Christ is life. It is not dead. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 2. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. He lives and we can live because of faith, obedience to Jesus Christ. You know, religion is not only a failure when we think that that's all we need, but religion is also a failure because it's lip service. In chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, And one of you may say to someone, Go in peace. Be warm, be filled, without giving them the things they, they need for the body. What good is that? Jesus said concerning lip service, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, religious words without action is not biblical faith. It is not faith obedience. What often is talked about as faith today, and this is not only in the West, but this is throughout the world, is often just what it was even at the time of Jesus. It seems to be the same of what we're hearing today. It really sort of centers around three categories. One of them is called religious possessivism. Religious possessivism is when a person says, I have religion. I have faith. I go to church. I read this or that. I even post on my social media religious posts or quotes. And those are good things. I'm not saying they're not. But that is not faith obedience. A second thing that seems to be lip service in our world today is called religious pluralism. It really is a societal Legalism, much like the legalism back in the time of Jesus, it's the legalism in which society says that every religion is acceptable. 
all isms. All things must be plural and equal. But that is not faith obedience. And a third area that seems to be prevalent in our conversations, our society, in the world, not just in the West, is a thing called religious nationalism, where God is country. And we focus on that which is more important than Jesus Christ himself. It's not faith obedience, friends. This kind of lip service seems to be more important than repentance. And that really is the third area where religion fails. Religion, thirdly, fails because it will not repent. People do not repent. Verses 18 through 19 And someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Friends, let me ask you, have you thought about religion failing because of the lack of our repentance. You know, there is no way to show, no way to show faith obedience without deeds, without actions, without the repentance of faith. And this applies to everyone throughout the world, believer or even unbeliever, unless all people regularly turn to Christ and repent. And please don't stumble over the word repent, for all it means is to turn, to turn to Jesus. But if we do not have faith obedience, if we do not turn in repentance, then our faith is a failure. You know, verse 19 is significant because demons have the theological orthodoxy and They know Christ. They know him face to face. But a demon shudders. A demon does not repent. They commit the unpardonable sin, as the scripture refers to. And people and demons can commit an unpardonable sin by refusing to repent to Jesus Christ to follow him. But... When one places her or his faith in Christ, they can be pardoned. They are pardoned. And many of the struggles of this unpardoned life cease. But I want to say in this life, friends, in this life, in our requirement of faith obedience is to continue to strive, continue to struggle, continue to fight to turn to Jesus Christ, to turn to him in repentance. And that's because we need to do this because of our, my, prideful nature. But do we do that? So a while back, a bishop named J.C. Ryle, in the 19th century, a pastor, wrote this question to his church. He said, there are thousands, or this statement, There are thousands of men and women 
who go to churches, thousands of names that are in the baptismal registers. Many are married within a Christian service. Many are buried as Christians when they die. But you never see in them any fight, any spiritual strife, any exertion, any conflict, any self-denial, any watching, any warring to struggle, to turn in repentance to Christ. They literally know nothing of this at all. But true Christianity, he continues, is a fight. Now, friends, do you feel like you're fighting this world? Or do you feel like your faith is a failure? Religion alone does fail. And it disappoints. Not lifting a finger, lip service, no repentance to Christ. But I can say this clearly. Faith, obedience to Christ is vibrant. It is life. And he bears our failures. That's why he says, come unto me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke, my small burden upon you, and I will give you rest for your souls. You know, the bad news is that religion alone fails. But the good news is that faith obedience completes us like it did in Abraham. Verses 20 through 24, if you follow with me. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, you're speaking to me, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. What is, again, faith obedience? And I say clearly that I cannot define that. The scripture itself defines that in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It is without faith. And I want you to catch these three action words. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would first draw near to God must secondly believe that he exists and that he rewards those who thirdly seek him. Faith, obedience, completes us. Literally makes us perfect and mature is what the word means in the original language. When we, first off, we draw near to him. We draw near and recognize the gift. Now, chapter 2, verse 21 says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? So let me ask you a question. Was he justified by works because he was about to kill his only son? No. 
Not because of committing that crime, as it were, but because years earlier in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham looked up. He looked up and he believed God's promise. When God promised to him, I will make of you the blessing of this planet. And when he himself looked up, that is, Abraham looked up and saw that God was the gift. The gift of everything he needed. And later on in Genesis chapter 22, Abraham drew near and he recognized that God had provided a ram in the bush which was a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God who would take away the sin so that Isaac would not have to die eternally separated. Abraham and us, anyone who believes on him, would be able to come, whosoever will. And this he recognized. Abraham recognized that God himself was the gift. You know, faith obedience is the work of drawing near to Jesus Christ, to God alone, placing your faith in Christ alone because we cannot rely on any good work, the book of Romans says, other than to draw near and recognize that he is the gift. Have you thought about the thief on the cross? The thief that could do nothing But he did do the work of God because he called out from his cursing attitude and just minutes later called out in faith to Jesus Christ and said, save me. You know, Jesus put it this way. He said, for this is the work of God that you believe on him who he has sent. Friends, let's not diminish That faith obedience, faith obedience is the work of believing and drawing near upon the one who is the gift. It is no greater work than to believe. And you cannot diminish that, nor can you take away and say that no other work is necessary. Jesus himself said, this is the work of God. Believe on me. You know, faith obedience completes anyone now. When that one recognizes and draws near to God's gift. But I ask you, have you drawn near? Have you recognized that he is your gift? Now faith obedience completes us when we believe and we receive the gift. Verse 22. You see that faith was active along with his works. And faith was completed by his works. You know, Hebrews 11 says that faith obedience is that second second action word, that we believe he exists. Do you know a time in your own life when you said, yes, yes, Lord, I believe? If you do not, I urge you, friends, I urge you, do it now. Now is the time to call upon the Lord and say, yes, Lord, I do believe, I do trust you. I don't know everything about the scripture, but I do know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. If you have not done it, I ask you, receive that gift. 
You know, that gift as well, we realize even the gift of faith is, as the Scripture says in the book of Ephesians, is also a gift. Even faith itself is a gift that he gives. And when a person receives that gift, that is Christ himself, God completes us. He completes me and he rewards faith obedience. Chapter, uh, verse 22 says, And you see that his faith was active along with his works, and his faith was completed. You know that third action word, the word seek him, that's where God begins the reward, by seeking him by faith obedience. Is it time now, time in your life or my life for more faith obedience? I pray the answer is yes. Now, unbelievers, and even some believers, don't sense this completion. And it's because there is no faith obedience. But I want to tell you, friends, faith obedience completes us. And that brings us to the last point, and that is this. That Rahab was justified. Rahab the harlot was justified by faith. Beginning in verses 25 through 26. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. You know, the word justify means to declare innocent, to be clean, to be innocent. Friends, I really love the Christmas season. And I want to say that Christmas and the coming of Christ, the beginning of the evidence of salvation, the fulfillment of prophecy of Christ is amazing. But the lineage of Jesus Christ is an example of, of declaring innocent in Matthew chapter 1. And Elder Barry explained this very well at that time in which it is extremely important because it not only shows the actual lineage of Jesus Christ in time and in history that can be validated, but it also and mostly shows that faith obedience justifies and declares us innocent. How does it do it? Matthew chapter 1 purposely mentions this one particular person, Rahab. Rahab, who was guilty of being a harlot, a prostitute, a streetwalker. She was hated by other women, by children. All of society hated her. Hated by men who cursed her, while at the same time they secretly eyed her, much like pornography does today. But I want to tell you, she was clearly and plainly guilty. But how? How could she be justified? How could she be made innocent? It was by faith obedience. By faith obedience. Hebrews 11 says, By faith, the prostitute Abraham welcomed the spies. And in Joshua chapter 2, by her own words, she testified, her faith by saying, 
The Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. That is, by faith obedience, she did not just make a theological statement. But as a pagan, as an idol worshiper, she welcomed not just the spies, but she welcomed the Lord God into her heart and into her home. And she did repent. The scripture is not only plain, but it testifies she did turn to the living God. And how did God respond to her faith obedience? This is interesting because Matthew 1 says it this way. And Salmon, in the genealogy, and Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. But it goes better. It gets better. And Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of King David. And it goes on to say, and King David was the forerunner of the Messiah himself. I want to tell you, friends, God justifies those who by faith obedience come to him. And more than that, he rewards it. It's amazing to see how this lady, this woman who was a walker of the streets, how she, first of all, was not only declared innocent, but secondly, she was welcomed into the halls of faith obedience, rewarded by becoming King David's grandmother by becoming the forerunner to the Messiah. There's amazing results that change in my life, your life, because of faith, obedience. Elder Kevin explained James chapter 2, verse 5, very well. The scripture says, Has not God chosen the poor in the eyes of this world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom he promised for those who love him. Now, when Jesus spoke of the poor in Matthew 5, he referred to those like Rahab, those who are poor in spirit, those who are humble, those who are broken, those who are repentant. Not only are they financially poor, perhaps, but they're broken in spirit and they turn to the Lord in faith, obedience. These people who are poor, In spirit, you, who may be poor in spirit as well, are richly welcomed by the Lord, richly received by the Lord because of faith obedience, and he declares innocent and justified anyone who welcomes the Lord in their heart by faith obedience. So I want to conclude by asking you a question. Is your so-called faith a failure? Or do your works even work? The scripture says the answer to that question in, again, chapter 2, verse 17. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's as dead as the person who is an unbeliever, as dead as anyone, without faith, obedience to Jesus Christ. If there is no action in our faith, then there is asphyxiation. There is drowning. 
there is lack of life. So I go on to ask you a question. What needs to be redirected? What do we need to redirect in our life? Religion without action is a failure. But James redirects us to faith obedience. Faith turning to Christ. And another question there is, what do we need to reactivate? What needs to change in my life? My life and yours and those who are hearing, those who we touch. And I say first off and primarily this, repent. Turn to Christ. Tell others to turn to Christ. This is now the time to repent, to turn to Christ. Faith obedience is just turning to Christ. And as I fail daily, as I speak wrongly, as I fail to obey, I turn to him. Lord, forgive me. Lord, change me. Turn to Christ. Secondly, recognize. Recognize and receive God's gift that makes us complete in Christ. Recognize that he is the gift. This is not a biblical scholar's viewpoint. This is the basics and the beauty of the scripture. Come unto me, he said, not unto religion, not even to church. Come unto me. He calls us to recognize that he is the gift. And the third is to renew. Renew your innocence. He has justified you in Jesus Christ. You're innocent. You're not bearing this harm that you feel yourself still has or you, the guilt that you feel others have. He has renewed us and we are innocent in Jesus Christ. He said that even though we forget that. So I want to say now is the time for action, for faith obedience. And I'm announcing a new initiative in this church and for this ministry. The new initiative is this. In Grace Church, we call it faith innovation. Faith innovation. I may be the elder for innovation, but that doesn't mean that I have all that I need to have and know everything there is to know. I want to invite every person, every person, every soul, every opportunity, every idea, every innovation, every way possible to bring people, to turn people through faith, obedience to Jesus Christ. But I ask you, I ask you, will you be that person who turns to him? By faith, obedience, turn to him. Will you act upon it? This is our prayer as leaders, and I ask the prayer teams to come forward now because we have a special opportunity to welcome into our church a person who desires to become a member. But we want to pray with you as well that this is now the time for faith obedience. Please stand with me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful that you are the one to whom we turn. We look unto you, Lord, for you You, O Lord, are the one to whom we have to answer and the one to whom has loved our souls. Lord, we know that you carry burdens. We come to you by faith obedience. Give us courage to innovate, to bring others.
by faith obedience to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.